All right. Um, welcome, everybody, this morning. My name is Evan Wepler. I'm the elementary children's pastor at CBC, and we are so glad that you are here, and uh, hopefully you got a little glimpse of our VBS week. Um, I see a lot of people wearing our shirts. Let me just go ahead. If you supported VBS in some way through prayer, through serving, through giving, whatever, would you just go ahead and stand up and just recognize all the people that made VBS happen? So give them a round of applause. Thank you so much. Um, I want to give you some numbers. Um, as you go ahead and take your seat, um, we had uh, at uh, we had one-time attenders through the week, uh, 545 elementary kids, an average of 478 every day, uh, 59 who don't have a church home. Um, we had out of 291 second through fifth graders, 219 that had already uh, expressed that they placed their faith in Christ, 29 who expressed that they still have questions and aren't ready quite yet, um, and more than 40 that responded that they wanted to receive uh, uh, the gift of salvation from Christ. And so let's just thank God for the work that he's done this week. Uh, we also had 138 middle school volunteers, uh, 286 adult and high school volunteers, and through the week we had 1,018 people enrolled in all of VBS. And so there's a lot of people, a lot of things going on, uh, but God worked in great and mighty ways. Um, I've got some of my friends who are going to come up and join us. We're going to do a quick walkthrough through the week of VBS and the lessons we heard we had. Uh, and so uh, the first day uh, we looked at the story of Adam and Eve, the true story of how we have all turned from God. And the truth that we learned um, on that day, which we called uh, hide and seek, was that God sees. God always knows, uh, and he even called out to Adam and Eve, not because he didn't know where they were, but because he wanted to give them a chance to come to him. And so we know that God sees, and he sees with love, and he has a way of salvation for all who have sinned. And um, we remember in Romans 3.23, it says, Everyone has sinned. Would you all say that with us? Everyone has sins. And then I didn't explain it at 9.30. We say we walk in a circle like we're roaming. Get it? So it's Romans 3.23a. Um, after that, we've also got Tuesday where we learned about how God leads and how he led the Israelites, his chosen people. Despite the fact they doubted him, they didn't trust him, they disobeyed him, he was faithful even when they were not. Uh, and we learn that God leads us as well um, because we have all sinned and we, none of us can measure up to God's standard of perfection. Uh, none of us can be able to do what God has called us to do. And so we learned that no one measures up to God's glory. Romans 3 dot dot 23b. And so we moved on to Wednesday, and we learned about how God loves, and we learned about the best gift ever. And who was that gift? Jesus. We learned about Jesus. We got to celebrate Christmas in June, and we got to celebrate the gift of love that is found in Jesus, the gift of forgiveness and grace. And we learned that the free gift of God's grace makes us right with Him. Romans 3.24a. And we moved into Thursday, and we looked at how God expressed his love to us, um, the fact that uh, Jesus came and died for us while we are still sinners. We learned that God saves, that he paid the price. Uh, we learned that Christ Jesus paid the price to set 
us free. Would you all say that? Go ahead, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Let's say this verse nice together to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Ready? Christ Jesus paid the price to set us free. Oh, awesome job. Y'all take a seat. And that's found in Romans 3, dot, dot, 24b. I'm getting turned around. And finally, we got to Friday, and we looked at the fact that God welcomes. He welcomes all who turn to him, uh, seeking forgiveness, seeking a new life. Uh, it's like this picture of a papa with his, his house, uh, ready to welcome in anyone. And that is exactly how God uh, sees us. He loves us. Um, he doesn't love our sin, but he wants us to come to him for forgiveness. And so we learned that Jesus made a promise to his disciples, to those who trusted in him. And this was his promise. It says, I will take you to be with me. Then you will also be where I am. That's in John 14, dot, dot, 3b. And so we learned that day that God is preparing a place for all who trust in Jesus. And what place is that? Heaven. That is a place that we can barely imagine, that we can barely picture, but a place that God is preparing for all who believe in Him. Uh, give a round of applause to my Moves and Grooves team. Thank y'all. Y'all go ahead and take a seat. Um, you see, all week long we learned about our theme, which is lost and found, and there's a verse that we pulled this from, which is Luke 19.10. Uh, in the NIRV translation, it says, uh, go ahead and pull that slide up says, the Son of Man came to look for the lost and save them. And so today, uh, we're looking into those words. All week long with VBS, we had to, as we were preparing for this special event, we had to dive in and think about those words, especially that first word, lost. Uh, there's lots of different ways that we can think of the word lost. Um, I can think of the things that I've lost over, uh, over my lifetime. Let's see, I've, I think of that green jacket I lost when I was a child. I can think of my, uh, uh, and I never found that jacket. Uh, and I can think of uh, losing my dad's uh, camera in high school uh, and never finding it. Um, and I can think of uh, all the many times, the daily ritual of losing my keys and usually finding them. Um, so I can think of the things I've lost. I can also things, think of the times that I have been lost, um, that I've gotten lost, and it's usually when I have been too stubborn to recognize that I have a terrible internal compass and just start driving aimlessly until, the point I, I, until I get to the point where I just have to pull over and pull up Google Maps to see where I am. Um, I can also think of the time that I got lost when I was two at the mall. And it was Christmas time, and so in the fraction of a second, my, you know, I wandered off from my parents, and then they realized I was gone and frantically looked for me through the holiday crowds and finally, fortunately, found me standing, staring at the twinkling Christmas tree lights without a worry in the world. <laughs> you see, as we think about things that are lost and the ways that we get lost, um, sometimes we recognize what we've lost. Sometimes we don't want to recognize that we are lost. And sometimes we have no idea we are lost until we are found. And that is how we first encounter Zacchaeus the tax collector in Luke 19 from the New International Reader's Version. Let's go ahead and put that first verse up. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man named Zacchaeus lived there. He was a chief tax collector and was very rich. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was but he was a short man. He could not see Jesus because of the crowd. 
So we don't know much about Zacchaeus. Um, he is a pretty memorable character in the New Testament. Um, but if you did know him at the time, there'd be three things you would very easily know about him. First, he was rich, rich and powerful. He was a chief tax collector, a major city uh, in, in Jericho, a major city in Israel. It says the ancient historian Josephus wrote that Jericho was the richest part of the country and called it Little Paradise. Zacchaeus was living the good life. He worked for the powerful Roman government. He had an important position in charge of other tax collectors, and he was wealthy, not simply because of his profession or his position, but because of his practice of overcharging people who paid their taxes. He had created a life of comfort in little paradise. But we also know, second, that he was extremely disliked. As a Jew working for the Roman government, he was considered a traitor. As a cheating tax collector, he was considered a sinner. Uh, though his name meant pure, he was living a very impure life. The word that people would utter as he walked down the streets, either saying it under their breath or calling him out, would be hamartolos, sinner. The word used to describe those who are continually, constantly missing God's mark, living in opposition to his good and acceptable and perfect will. Now, we don't know if this bothered Zacchaeus. It's very possible that from his powerful position, he walked tall without caring what other people said at all. But we also know, three, he was short. Luke wrote his gospel account uh, as a physician, uh, noticing details about people's bodies and their stature um, more so than the other gospel writers. Uh, for Zacchaeus to be short by ancient Mediterranean standards, he was likely that he was under five feet tall. So I wonder if anyone here might know the song that I learned when I was in Sunday school. I'll, I'll go ahead and start it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And that's all I know. So if you want to keep singing, go ahead. But I'm going to stop there. Uh, now, if you met Zacchaeus, those three facts would be very obvious. He was rich, he was disliked, and he was short. But you would not be getting the full picture. You see, in 1 Samuel 16, as Samuel is considering the sons of Jesse, specifically Eliab, the tall, good-looking son, and wondering who God was to choose as king, God spoke to him, saying, "'Do not consider his appearance or his height.'" For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, for anyone that was looking at Zacchaeus, no one would imagine that he would be someone who would turn to Jesus. But there is one fact that we know about Zacchaeus from the account. One fact about his heart. He wanted to see Jesus says Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was a short man. He could not see Jesus because of the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. He wanted to see Jesus who was coming that way. Luke notes this twice. Not only does Zacchaeus want to see this man that everyone had been speaking of, but he wanted to see who he was. Was he the promised Messiah, the anointed one, the one God had promised to save Israel? Although the external facts about Zacchaeus about Zacchaeus, create a picture of a proud man living a self-focused life, this one secret fact about Zacchaeus set his story in motion. Zacchaeus had everything he could ever want, yet there was something nagging at his heart, prompting him to risk it all to find what he was looking for. Zacchaeus, the proud tax collector, humbled himself like a child. 
He recognized that he is too short to see Jesus over the crowds. He realizes he needs some support. He sees a sycamore fig tree and runs ahead as fast as he can, something that a dignified adult man would not do. Then he climbs this tree, a tree that was likely hard to climb. If his neighbors had seen him, I'm guessing they would have been laughing. But Zacchaeus doesn't care. He trusts this tree will support him, and he reaches the top and sees the man the whole world has been talking about. And suddenly, this man turns and looks at him and calls to him by name. It says in the account, Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus responds as the disciples did when Jesus called that. He obeyed immediately. He came down to Jesus and welcomed him gladly. Now, we don't know if this happened at that specific spot, like right under the tree, or if it was back at Zacchaeus' house, but the word that they use for received or welcome, um, hypodixado, is the same word that is used when Jesus is a guest at the house of Mary and Martha. The customs of welcoming a guest to your home might include bowing, greeting, kissing, removing shoes, washing feet, and giving them water and a meal. Zacchaeus continues to humble himself as he welcomes Jesus, yet the crowds can't see this transformed Zacchaeus. They only see Zacchaeus the traitor, the thief, the sinner. See, God sees our heart, but people can only see um, the actions. We can only see the fruit. And so it says, Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this. They began to whisper amongst themselves. They said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. The people were grumbling and muttering and whispering. Zacchaeus had not changed in their eyes. Perhaps he was just showing off or currying favor or playing political games, hosting this important man at his house. But the whispers reached Zacchaeus' ears, and he realized he had a choice to make. Would, he, would this encounter with Jesus cost him nothing, or was he willing to give it all up for a new life? Where did he stand? Zacchaeus, uh, back. Zacchaeus stood up. He said, look, Lord, here and now I give half of what I own to those who are poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back. I will pay back four times the amount I took. Zacchaeus was lost. He didn't realize it until something started tugging at his heart. He had built up a perfect life in Little Paradise, but when his desire to see Jesus was stronger than his love of status and power, he had a choice to make. This encounter with Jesus changed his life. Jesus had called his name. Jesus wanted to enter his house. Jesus said he must come to his house. This important man, rumored to be the Messiah, was willing to come to him, a man who had cheated and stole and sinned against God. He was willing to sacrifice his reputation to come to Zacchaeus. But what was he willing to sacrifice? He realized he had to give up the God of his life, his security, his power, his wealth. Jesus did not have to command him as he did with the rich young ruler. Zacchaeus made this choice all of his own, and he made restitution for all he had taken, going beyond what the law required. It says in Numbers to pay back what was taken plus one-fifth of the amount, basically 120%. Zacchaeus chooses to give back 400% of what he had taken. Now, we don't know exactly how much wealth Zacchaeus had, but we can be sure of this. His status, his comfort, his way of life had utterly changed in this moment. 
Giving away half of all he owned and paying back debts 400% could have left him with some money, but it was nothing to compare to what he had before. Still, it was worth it. Though he had lost so much, he had found what he had been looking for. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to your house. You are a member of Abraham's family line. The Son of Man came to look for the lost and save them. Three statements. One of hope, one of faith, one of purpose. The Israelites have been longing for salvation, specifically salvation from their enemies. But the angel Gabriel had spoken to Mary and told her to give him the name Jesus, to give her baby the name Jesus, because Jesus was a form of the name Joshua, which means the Lord saves or God our rescuer. And he said it was because he will save his people from their sins. Zacchaeus had encountered salvation, welcomed salvation, received salvation because he had received Jesus. He received Jesus into his house, and now his house, his family, his life could be changed forever. There's also a statement of faith. The Pharisees told Jesus they were children of Abraham, but Jesus responded that they didn't live like Abraham. Abraham listened and obeyed God with faith. The Pharisees heard the truth and rejected it. When Jesus said someone was a child of Abraham, it wasn't just a statement of heritage. It was a statement recognizing this person had faith like Abraham. Zacchaeus only got a glimpse of Jesus, but that was enough to change his life. And finally, Jesus gives a statement of purpose, his purpose. The Son of Man came to look for the lost and save them. Other translations say to seek and save the lost. Now, Jesus uses the term Son of Man, referring to himself, both to say that he is the Messiah God had promised and revealed to the prophet Daniel centuries ago, but also to reference his full humanity, how far he had gone to save the world. The Word become flesh, fully man and fully God. He had humbled himself and would further humble himself out of love to die upon the cross, to pay for the sins of the Pharisees who doubted him, the people who grumbled against him, and the tax collectors and thieves and all the despised of the world. You see, Luke talks about Zacchaeus wanting to see who Jesus is and going the distance to see him, but this story is not about Zacchaeus finding Jesus. No, this story is about Jesus finding Zacchaeus. He knew who Zacchaeus was. He called Zacchaeus by name. He was passing through Jericho with a purpose in mind and told Zacchaeus, I must stay, I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus was lost. Jesus had come to find him, not because he didn't know where he was, but because Zacchaeus didn't know how lost he was. Jesus also gives us parables of the lost, which are also found in Luke. Uh, the woman who loses one of ten coins yet throws her whole house apart trying to find it and throws a party when she does. The man who watches every day for the return of the son who threw his life away then runs down his driveway to embrace and welcome him home. The shepherd who considers 1% of his flock to be so valuable that he risks everything just to bring that one sheep home. Others some people would call this crazy. Others would say reckless. Yet these are pictures of the God who looks for the lost and saves them. He knows what he is doing. 
He is relentless. He is faithful. He cares more than we will ever know. He loves us, not as we should be, but as we are. It says in Romans 5.8, but here is how God has shown His love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the God who sent His one and only Son to die in our behalf. This is the God that sees, that leads, that loves, that saves, that welcomes all who turn to Him. This is the God who loved Zacchaeus. This is the God that loves you. So at the start of my message, I mentioned different ways we think of the word lost. And I have to ask you, do any of these thoughts resonate with you? I've lost joy. I've lost purpose. I thought I had all I needed, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I know that I've lost my way. I don't want to admit it, but I just can't go down this road anymore. I thought I had it all together, but something has been tugging at my heart. I think that might be God trying to get my attention. Something has to change. See, God has made us to live forever, either in fellowship with Him or separated from Him. Ecclesiastes says that he has placed eternity in our hearts. C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia uh, and many other great books, writes, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we are made for another world. Everyone has sinned. No one measures up to God's glory, his perfect standard of righteousness. The free gift of God's grace makes us right with Him. No amount of right choices or good intentions can undo our sin or restore that relationship with Him. Only God can make things right, and He did through the life of His perfect Son, through His death and His resurrection. Christ Jesus paid the price to set us free, free from the punishment of sin, free from death, free from a life where sinful desires and actions seem to take control, freedom to return to God, no longer separated by sin, with a gift of eternal life that will never end. Do you desire that close relationship with God that we have all lost because of our sin? Are you lost in realizing your current path isn't taking you where God wants you to be? Or do you sense that God is leading you to make a change in your life today, to no longer rely on what you have what you do, your job, your family, your comfort, your small piece of paradise, to give it all up for a life that is better, a gift that will never end. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Jesus knew Zacchaeus by name. Jesus loved Zacchaeus. Jesus wanted Zacchaeus. And Jesus knows you. Jesus sees you. Jesus loves you, and Jesus wants you. Is he calling for you, calling you into a relationship? If so, today, salvation has come to your house. Don't let it pass you by. If this is that day for you, if you feel led to make that decision, you can pray to God and admit that you have sinned and you need help. Trust that Jesus has paid that price for our sin Receive his gift of forgiveness and grace and love and start a new life, a new relationship with God. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you that you are the God 
who looks for the lost and saves them. For all the times that we are lost, for all the times that we are looking for what we have lost, thank you for leading us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. If there's anyone here today that is wrestling with that decision, God, I I ask that you give them the courage and the grace uh, to make a change, uh, to turn to you, and to live a life, a life with you, a relationship with you, to receive your gift of grace and forgiveness through Jesus. May everyone here turn to you as the good shepherd, the one who seeks and saves the lost. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this day. In his name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen.